0: Few weeks ago, and this is this is uh, just a quick side story. A few weeks ago, Robin and I went and saw the movie The Earthquake, the new Earthquake one, the remake of the what is it, San Andreas? Thank you. Couldn't remember the name of it. I got in there and I sat and I watched and I listened, and I kept thinking all through the movie. It's like, wow, man can build and build and build and be awesome and incredible and all of this stuff, yet he can't thwart God's power period. All the damage that was done, yep, can happen. God could do that in a heartbeat. So the movie was entertaining, at least what I saw of it was entertaining because about three quarters of the way through, all of a sudden the power shut down in the theaters. Right at the, you know, right about where the tidal wave was supposed to hit. <laughs> and all of a sudden the thought goes, What's happening? (laughs) Uh, I'm waiting for it. Where's the earthquake? Where's the tidal wave? Where's, right? So it was just kind of a funny thing. But um, it wasn't just our theater, it was the entire theater all lost power, which was interesting. So it was perfectly timed. Eventually I'll go back and go see the movie and see the conclusion of it. But yeah, anyway. Um, I decided today I wanted to do an introduction or uh, overview to the book of Obadiah. that little story actually feeds, or the, the feeds with this, because of what I was thinking in the theater. It still fits with this with this book. That's why I that's why I said it. Um, I want to start with the authorship. The authorship begins in verse one, and uh, and it says the vision of Obadiah. So obviously we know who wrote the book, right? Um, according, to, according to this, the author is, of the book is Obadiah. However, there are several Obadiahs mentioned in the Old Testament. So, which one is it? Okay. Obadiah is a very popular name, and the meaning of the, of the name is worshiper of Yahweh or servant of Yahweh. Um, for a parent to name their child uh, with this name, it reflects the parent's faith in God and their spiritual ambition for their child. Um, is scholars, for scholars it is unclear to exactly which Obadiah is credited for writing the book, although the prophet Obadiah clearly wrote the book. Uh, the book was written, most scholars would agree that upon the date of the book was written, um, somewhere between, I think it was 892 BC to 300 BC. So it was written somewhere in that short amount of time. Um, is believed to be connected to the verse 12, which we'll cover. But it says this, it talks about the day of their misfortune, the day of uh, the Jews' misfortune, the day of the Jews' destruction, or it also says in the day of the Jews' or their distress. In other sources, it also is referred to as the great humiliation of Israel. Um, It appears to be a reference to the destruction of the temple during the Babylonian siege on Jerusalem. This siege began about 605 B.C. and ended approximately 586 B.C. Uh, Many scholars believe that the writing of Obadiah is believed to be after the siege and most likely during when the Jews were in the Babylonian captivity. Okay. So, uh, we'll start going through the verses. Verse, uh, starting at verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and an envoy, or a proclamation, has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise and let us go against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You are greatly despised. The arrogance of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in the loftiness of the dwelling place, um, you who say in your heart, who will bring me down to earth? Though you build high like like the eagle, though you set your nests among the stars, from there I, or God, will bring you down, declares the Lord. The prophecy is clear concerning the country or people of Edom. It discusses a proclamation by God toward the destruction of the Edomite people. The passage describes the arrogance of the people, um, or the people group as shown in their hearts and displayed through their uh, lives and and how they live. Verse 3 says the following. Who say in their hearts? It says that specifically. Many times people think that they... um, They keep their thoughts, desires, pride, deceit hidden away from all, right? As a therapist, initially when we meet with a patient, we have to accept what they're saying. We watch body behavior, we watch, uh, listen to the words that they're saying, and we have to generally think that they're saying the truth until we catch them otherwise. Because we don't know them, okay? We don't know what's going on inside their hearts. We don't really even know what's going on inside their heads most of the time. Um, So, from humans, this might be possible to keep all of this stuff secret, okay? But from God, it is impossible um, to hide any of this. He knows our thoughts. He knows our fears, our desires, our anger. He knows our struggles and our struggles toward good and our thoughts and struggles toward doing evil, okay? He knows all of that. And he knows where we're going to go and where we're going to stumble, and if we keep going and if we're going to keep going down this path toward evil or if we're going to keep stumbling and trying to do good in this process he knows all of the outcome the problem with the edomite people was that their arrogance fooled them into thinking that they would escape god's judgment the deception in their hearts kept them from turning to, um, from their sin against god and god's people so we could easily fall into the same traps if we take our eyes off of what God wants us to be doing, and if we take our eyes off of God. If pride begins to rule our hearts, down that path is going to be very easy to head. Um, A brief history of the Edomite people. I had uh, the Genesis passage read because it shows the ideology of the people group, and the ideology of the struggle between the Edomites and the Jews. Okay? I got out of order here. Sorry. The Edomite people are, in all actuality, cousins to the Jews or the Israelites. The Jews and the Israelites are described, or, or excuse me, are descended from the line of Abraham through Isaac and his son Jacob. Through Jacob came the twelve tribes of Israel, and then divided into the ten northern tribes known as of as Israel and then the two southern tribes known as Judah. The ten tribes of Israel are known as the Israelites, and the two tribes of Judah are known as the Jews. The Edomites are also descended from Abraham through Isaac and his son Esau. From the beginning, these fraternal twins, and if you look at the description, they are twins. If you look at the description, they're different. So we know that they're fraternal twins versus identical twins. not a big issue that's going to change the world, but it's interesting. Uh, but from the beginning, these twin brothers have troubles, all the way from the beginning of the womb. In Genesis 25, 19, their struggle began um, in the womb. When Rebecca inquired of God why, about what was going on, she was told that two nations were in her womb, and that the older excuse me, will serve the younger. We see the struggle further develop in the lives of the brothers when Esau sells his birthright to his brother, for food, and later when Jacob steals Esau's blessing from Isaac. Esau then plans to kill Jacob, um, and Jacob flees to Haran to his uncle Laban. Laban excuse me. Eventually, it is Laban that uh, Jacob returns to when it is time to take a wife. While away, we know the story, he works many years for Rebekah, gets deceived and ends up getting um, Leah. He works another seven years for Rebekah, and then stays on and works more years for all the flocks and becomes very wealthy in this process. He eventually returns to Canaan and sends out his servants going before him across the river with much livestock, many gifts, um, all kinds of things to do what? What is his expectation? What happened when he left? How was his interactions with his brother? not good, okay? So he sends all of this stuff to um, get Esau not to be angry with him, okay? So Edomites were a, were a proud and bitter and resentful people um, who took advantage of every opportunity to harm Jacob's descendants, it is not hard to imagine how this could have developed with the things that happened between the brothers. These stories are then passed down, and um, the stories swell, and pride takes, takes over in the people, and now I'm going to hold them responsible so every time I get this chance. I see this happening at work every day. We get kids who hold everybody else responsible. It's their fault. It's their fault. They never take the responsibility on themselves and change their own behaviors, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Um, they were fleshly-minded. They focused on material possessions, and they sought after spoil and plunder. Uh, the land of Edom would be found within the modern-day lands of Saudi Arabia and Jordan. Okay. The capital city was Sela, uh, modern-day Petra. Uh, two strongholds, which is in, southern, er, in, uh, in Jordan, two strongholds uh, would be Basra and Timon, And another city that was uh, mentioned city or district was Dedan, which was also um, part of that Edom empire. The Edomites would attack neighboring peoples and then retreat back to their well-nigh-impregnable strongholds, especially in Petra. Um, Has anybody, anybody familiar with Petra? Seen city pictures and all that? You may have. Um, Have you ever seen the movie Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom? Yeah. In the beginning, they show that treasure temple where he goes into and then goes on into the thing. That's actually from Petra. That whole temple goes, what, about 50 feet back, maybe. Um, That whole room. But that's the treasure temple from Petra. Um, The third Indiana Jones in The uh, the, um, Last Crusade. The very end of the movie, they got the three guys on the horses, and they take off riding up through that canyon. That's the canyon entrance to Petra. It's the only entrance and only exit, unless you're using a helicopter by air. Um, And in many times during the winters, when the flood or the waters and rains and all that come down through that thing, it's very difficult to negotiate. Um, The other one would be if you've seen the Transformers: Fall of the Risen. And they're looking for that um, that key thing. They the two robots fight. They're in Petra, up on one of the um, um, temple er, temple mounts up in there. Which is interesting. If you've never, if you don't know what it is, you didn't know you've seen it. Um, once inside, there are treasure temples and other ornate carvings onto or into the stone. Um, As you go back down through the valley, it cuts through and there's high rock walls. And there are caves three stories high. So there's caves, caves, and caves. Cut back or hewn back into the rock. And there's literally thousands of these things. Or so it appears to be thousands. I don't know the exact count. Um, So verses 3 and 4 describe the city in its verbiage clefts of the rock. That's where the people lived, were in these rock areas. And Petra being almost impossible to get into except down through that primary canyon makes them pretty much impregnable and best defense to be to. Um, It also says, loftiness of your dwelling places and build high like the eagle sets your nests among the stars. If you... um, Go on further. It is believed that the Jews in Revelation talks about this, is believed that this is the area in Revelation that the Jews will retreat to, Petra, um, to escape the Antichrist. When it says, when you see him set himself up in the temple, just leave, get out. Okay? And hopefully you don't have all of these other burdens that are going to keep you. But this is where it is believed that they will run to. Um, The Edomites refused to allow the Israelites passage through their territory at the time of the exodus from Egypt, um, as seen in Numbers 20. Uh, 14 through 21. Israelites had to go they had to go around. Um, They were not allowed to cut through what's called the King's Highway. And that King's Highway runs from one coast to it was the major trade route. Um, Edom and Israel I'm sorry. Edom and Israel were uh, perpetually at war. Edom was sporadically under the control of the kings of Israel and Judah, um, as seen in 2 Samuel 8:13, um, 1 Kings 11:14 through 17, and 2 Kings. I'm going to let you guys go look these 14 through 11. Um, the fact that Edom was ruled by the kings of Israel, Judah, shows fulfillment of the prophecy when they were still in the womb. Jacob and Esau, um, the older shall serve the younger. Okay. When Babylon invaded, Edom quickly surrendered and then assisted the Babylonians in the destruction of Jerusalem, as um, talked about in Lamentations and Ezekiel. The Edomites were left um, the Edomites who were left after they were um, taken over uh, continued to be the enemies of the Jews throughout the rest of their days. Um, I'm going to go back down to verse 4 and through 9. Though you build high like the eagle, though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came if thieves came to you, if robbers by night, oh, how uh, you will be ruined. Would they not steal only until they had enough? Meaning they're not going to take everything. If grape-gatherers came to you, would they not leave some gleanings? Again, not going to take everything. Oh, how Esau will be ransacked, and his hidden treasures searched out. All the men allied with you will send you forth to uh, to the border, and all the men at peace with you will deceive you and overpower you. They who eat your bread will set an ambush for you. There is no understanding in him. They uh, Will I not, on the day, declares the Lord, destroy wise men from Eden, and understanding from the mountain of Esau? Uh, mountain of Esau was to apparently the highest mountain in the land of Edom. Um, then you, uh, your mighty men uh, will be dismayed, O Teman, so that everyone may be cut off from the mountain of Esau by slaughter. In verse four, it says that you set your uh, your nests among the stars. This would make it virtually impregnable to man's invasion of that time. Um, but God responds from there, "I will bring you down." So, from the place where you think you cannot be touched, I will make it so that you can, so that I will make it possible to reach you and destroy you. Um, Verses 5 and 6 appear to give a comparison as to how, ser- um, how severe the Lord's judgment will fall upon the Edomites. It compares a thief who will um, take only till they have had enough, but not everything. Or a grape gatherer will take not everything. But the Lord has declared that Edom will be completely destroyed. Keep that in mind. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Verse 7 then discusses the uh, the nations who Edom has allies with. They will break those treaties and not defend them anymore, defend their borders. Uh, The nations that Edom is at peace with, they'll break those treaties and they will attack them. Um, They will overthrow them. And then those who are within the country who they... Eat meals with and break bread and do all of those things, they will actually end up um, setting traps for them and turning against them, and allowing making it possible to allow the others to come in to assist in destroying the uh, the country. Verses eight and nine. So pretty much, he's taken every possible thing away from them, meaning he is going to destroy them. Discuss the Lord. Uh, verses eight and nine discusses the Lord destroying those who are seen as wise. And the mighty men or warriors, um, they will be slaughtered. So there will be nobody able to protect. Edom will be overthrown and no longer be a nation, according to the Lord. Picking up at verse 10. Because of your violence to your uh, to your brother, and by the way, this section 10 through fourteen discusses the charges that are brought against Edom. this is the why they are going to be destroyed. Um, because of the violence to your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame, and you will be cut off forever on the on the day that you stood aloof. On the day that the strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were um, as one of them. Do not gloat over your brother's day, the day of his misfortune, and do not rejoice over the, uh, the sons of Judah. In the day of their destruction, yes, do not boast. In the day of their distress, do not enter the gates of my people. In the day of their disaster, yes, you do not gloat over their calamity. In the day of their disaster, and do not uh, loot their wealth. And um, in the day of their disaster, do not stand at the fork of the road to cut down their fugitives. And do not imprison their uh, survivors in the day of their distress. And they did all of those things. It says, you really shouldn't be doing this. This is not what evil evil is to do these things. Not being evil or being um, good would be to not be doing those things, not standing at the roads to cut down the people who are trying to escape, not standing at the roads to um, put others into prison. Okay? So the charges were this the violence they have done to their brother Jacob continually, not just once, twice, but continually through generations, for assisting the Babylons in destroying Jerusalem, this being the day of their distress. Um, when the temple was destroyed. Um, God was allowing judgment on the Jewish people. But the Edomites, instead of staying back and then coming back to try to help support and bringing them back, okay, they gloated. They joined in the looting. They... Um, as per what their Edomite pattern has been over the over the generations. Um, God may allow judgment in this temporal time and place for the purpose of correction um, for those he calls his people. We are not to rejoice in the judgment of others, but are to assist in the process of the restoration. And that's what Edom, Edom did not do. They helped cut down or kill those who were trying to escape and imprison those um, who survived. Um, it, again, follows the pattern of trying to take advantage of every opportunity to do evil unto the descendants of Jacob. Picking up at uh, verses 15 through 18, discusses the day of the Lord. For the day of the Lord draws near um, on all the nations. As you have done it, will be done, this will be done to you. Your dealings will return on your own head, because just as you drank on my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as if they had, as if they had never existed. But on, the mount, on Mount Zion there will be those who escape, and it will be holy. And the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. Then the house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. And the house of Esau will be as stubble, and they will set, uh, excuse me, and they will set them on fire and consume them, so that there will be no survivor in the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. So God, um, God is the God over all nations, whether they acknowledge Him or not. We have a lot of that going on still today. Okay, um, doesn't matter whether they acknowledge it or not what he says is going to happen. Um, the day of the Lord, or ultimately each nation and person will stand before the Lord in the, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a reference to his judgment um, coming forth. He gives a warning to, uh, that his judgment draws near on all nations and says, as you have done, so shall it be done unto you. And your dealings or evil deeds will return upon your own head. Um, any survivors of Edom, the house of Jacob, whom you have done evil to, will now possess all of the Edomites' possessions. And there will be no survivor left in the house of Edom. And then it says, For the, Lotus, the Lord has spoken, meaning it's a done deal, there is no change, it's going to happen. Um, Malachi 1 2 through 5 talks about Edom being in ruins. Okay? So, this prophecy of the destruction of Edomites was fulfilled in, a progre- in progressive stages. Uh, my sense is that God allows this progression to, ha- to give opportunity for people to turn from sin who are likely, he knows, because he knows the hearts, who are likely to do that at some point. But um, he also knows the ones who aren't, such as Sodom and Gomorrah, who became so evil, that was it, done, gone. Okay. So, in fi- here's the progression. In five eighty two BC, the Babylonians invaded and nearly destroyed the Edomites. Who were uh, who was left? Those who Edomites who were left continued to be the enemies of the Jews. Okay, they're still doing the same pattern. Cyprus, the king of Ju- uh, Judah, overcame them. After that, Judah Maccabees. Uh, The hammer, how we get all of the um, events of Hanukkah. This is the Judah Maccabees drove the um, Edomites out of southern Judah in 164 B.C. John uh, Hyrcanus, who was the high priest and ruler of the Jewish nation from 135 B.C. to 104 B.C., um, later forced the surviving Edomites to submit to circumcision and to accept Judaism. Um, the Edomites in the Greek or New Testament days now changed from Edomites to Edumians, I-D-U-M-E-A-N-S. In 63 BC, Romans, uh, the Romans placed in control of Judah, the Herodian family. Um, so now we get Herod the Great of the Herodian family, remember Edomite. Um, he's the one that built Herod's temple, which is the temple that was used in Jesus' day. Herod the Great was also the individual who um, requested of the wise men to inform him where they found the baby Jesus so he could kill the baby Jesus okay again what's the pattern they're still doing evil to the off uh, the descendants of Jacob. Herod Agrippa, the grandson to Herod the Great, still the line of Edom um, was King of Palestine under the Roman rule, this is the Herod to whom Pilate sent Jesus prior to his conviction. This is also the Herod that Jesus refused to speak to whatsoever. Um, And and that's seen in Luke. Um, In AD 70, with the destruction of Jerusalem and, and the Herod's temple by the Romans, the last of the Edomites were destroyed at that point. So that line of Esau is completely gone. So this fills the, prof- uh, the prophecy of total destruction of the Edomites proclaimed by God so that there will be no survivor in the house of Esau. Moving to verses 19 through 21, then those of the Negev will possess the mountain of Esau and those of Shephelah, the Palestinian plain, also possess the territory of Ephraim and the territory of Samaria. And Benjamin will possess Gilead. And um, this is showing you that the land of Edom is broken up amongst the other nations, including the house of Benjamin. Um, In 20 it says, And the exiles of this host of the sons of Israel are among the Canaanites as far as Zareph Zarepeth, thank you. Um, and the exiles of Jerusalem who are um, in Sepharad will possess the cities of the Negev, which is just just north of that. It's the areas that would be moving up into Jordan. Um, the interesting thing about the, that the last one, the Sephard, um, it is believed that they went into exile... Um, as far as modern day Spain, so that 's how far they were taken and removed from their um, their homeland. but they will be ter- returned, they will be restored, right So the theme of the theme of the book, let me finish the last one um, the, de- uh, the deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau and the kingdom, Will be the Lord's. So there is, an, there is an overall theme sequence. I believe there's a sequence to the theme that is in this um, through Obadiah, although not specifically overt. And it is this Yahweh is a God who demands righteousness from his people. Okay? Although he is long suffering, he will not always tolerate uh, behavior contrary to his revealed will. God gave the Torah to the Jews with the purpose of teaching it to all nations. God required from them a higher level of righteousness and was determined to correct their disobedience. He would, of course, spare a remnant to accomplish his will, which he has done throughout history. Second, Yahweh is the ruler of heaven and earth, and therefore the God of all nations If he was not the God of all nations, how could he hold responsible um, the Edomites or any other nation for their evil deeds? How could he even expect them to listen to what he says? Third, the day of the Lord will come. Day of the Lord, again, referring to a judgment. Um, It's judgment by a holy God toward his people and those who uh, would do evil to them. The nations that have done evil toward Israel throughout history have either been wiped out or have never been a power again. I put forth the examples of Egypt, Babylon, Edom, Romans, and most recently Germany. And then the final or the fourth part of the theme would be the idea of restitution or um, restoration, meaning that God will bring that remnant back and back to the places of promise, and those will continue to carry out what his revealed will will be. Um, I think that that, is gonna con- that theme will continue until the final day of the Lord. Um, I believe we've also been joined to that as believers and that we also accept those responsibilities as well as benefits and protection. Um, you know, I think about this and it's, you know, if if Bruce is correct about us being here for the tribulation, we should take comfort in looking at the history of this. It's going to be bad. We know it's going to be bad. The... the the examples of what it's talked about is, is bad. But God's going to protect us. God's going to restore us ultimately and restore his people and will reward them ultimately. In closing, I'd like to recite a passage. Um, and I found this in the um, Nelson's Bible Dictionary, which was interesting. and I liked what it said, so I'm just going to state it as it says. And it says this. The book of Obadiah makes it clear that God takes his promise, his promises to his covenant people seriously. He declared in the book of Genesis that he would bless the world through Abraham and his descendants. He also promised to protect his special people against any who would try to do them harm. This promise is affirmed in the book of Obadiah. God is determined to keep faith with his people in spite of their unworthiness and disobedience. In Genesis 12.3, it uh, states this, and this is not part of what they said. It states this, God speaking to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And he has. That has been his pattern, holding to his word. This statement was given to Abraham and his descendants. God has thus far been faithful to hold to do this, and I believe he will continue to hold to do this until his day has come. This book should also give us a sense of peace and hope and confidence that God holds to his plan, his promises, until they are completely fulfilled. It's a progression. Many times there's a progression that happens. This one was very specific and overt in the sense of how the progression happened. Let's pray.